Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Legitimately nothing in sports compares to this time of year. Like it is just the ultimate all out test of will and strength and athletic perseverance. It's the best competition in all of sports. Nothing gets me going like Vancouver, Calgary regular season games happening while the playoffs are going on. It's just the pinnacle of hockey. Who can ask for more than this? It's funny. Because we only have vested interest really and truly in two teams right now. And that's the Washington Capitals and the Vancouver Canucks. (laughs) It is a bizarre. It's been a bizarre era for Red Wings fandom. Like you maybe if you're lucky care about things in May, but they're never the Red Wings. It's always other teams. and It's always like we need this COVID battered among the league worst Vancouver Canucks who are in a completely different conference to get just one point in regular season games that are happening concurrent to playoff games for because of reasons. Imagine telling 2018 us that. Well, hopefully the Canucks get one point next game so we can just forget they exist after that and just pretend like those Vancouver-Calgary games even exist like we should because it's an atrocity on the league that they even attempted to play them. Um, But hey, whatever. It's a pandemic. Weird things are going to happen and uh, we can sit here and enjoy regular season hockey in May between playoff games. (laughs) <laughs> as brad suggested yeah the the vancouver games i think they have three left uh it's sunday night right now they play in about two and a quarter hours from the time uh, of this recording um one of those three games if they get one single measly point accidental point pity point however it comes about they uh pass detroit in the standings detroit is guaranteed fifth work fifth worst uh standing in the league and thus sixth best lottery odds because Seattle is automatically slotting in with the third best odds. Uh, and if Vancouver manages to get away all three of their last games without a single point in the standings, then Detroit uh, has seventh best lottery odds. Is it going to matter in the end? No, nothing matters at all with the lottery. It is futile. It is purely there to remind Red Wings fans of their own mortality uh, and to give us a reason to annoy Evan on a single night uh, in June. Yes. It's like studying for exam. You know, you make me read up about all these kids who are going in the first, maybe second round. And I never think about it again until I <laughs> hear their name in passing so many years later and a cold chill goes down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Evan, I'm the exact same way. Like some of the bigger names, like guys who are more and more like to Detroit, I do remember for a longer time. Like I, I still very closely follow Perfetti and can tell you a lot about you know, his video and, and stuff that we followed when we were scouting him. But there's players from like two, three years ago where I'm just like, wow, I forgot you even went in that draft and you could have possibly been a Red Wings pick. I can't fit it all in my head. I actually don't know how Brad does it. Brad does all that and also remembers the, our specific birthday weekends. Before we hit record, we were sorting out schedules and Evan was like, ah, oh, what's my birthday weekend again? And Brad was like, I know that. <laughs> It's supposed to be a three-quarter moon that night. <laughs> yep. 
this is what I get for trying to be a friend. But you think I have too much storage space up here now. Just wait until Tuesday when Microsoft amplifies that storage space. It's going to be staggering. Yeah, we're both getting upgraded. I hope they just fix the cilantro thing for me (laughs) more than anything. (laughs) I'm really just hoping for that like 5G cell service, honestly. I know people don't like long podcast uh, intros before we talk about hockey, but I I have to give you guys a life question, not related at all to hockey. Um, I have the cilantro thing where it tastes like soap and I have no allergies whatsoever. Mel has like Evan level seasonal allergies, pollen and things like that, like can't breathe, but can taste cilantro. I asked her, I was like, would you swap if you could just take my cilantro thing, but have absolutely no allergies? And you know, she said no. Is she all right? Is Is cilantro that good? No, like, am I missing out on that much? No, not really. I would give up seasonal allergies in exchange for tasting cilantro the way it's meant to be tasted. What do you mean? Like, is that is that I what ta- you- No, no, Sorry, I taste it as if it's soap. Right. But I have no allergies. Would you prefer my situation or hers where she actually tastes like cilantro as good, like a food ingredient, but has a ton of allergies? Yours, 100%. Yeah, I think she's insane. I'm dating an insane person. Anyhow, welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. Uh, tasting cilantro like soap. I'm Ryan Hanna. Uh, soon to have unbelievable internet speed. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. <laughs> God. Brad was a little late today. He had a work thing. And Evan was just like, I could have been watering the grass. Grass that is so my nice life. Right my life's mission right now is to get some grass going on this god awful lawn. I have. You're not gonna. If you didn't see it two in months. if you didn't see it in September and October, you're already dead. Yeah, but our friends are moving in, so it's like you know we gotta leave them some sort of grass. But no, it don't. is my life's mission right now. I am dropping bags and bags of soil and seed and fertilizer, and I'm out there watering like a cr- crotchety old man in my <laughs> underwear. Uh, on this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast, we are going to be continuing our Red Wings season in review series. This is part two this episode. Uh, there will be a part three as well. Uh, but for today, we are going to be looking at the forwards and the coaching, which I'm sure will be a very patient discussion. Uh, we'll give a small update on the NHL playoffs and uh, some news about Red Wings uh, and the IIHF World Championships. Uh, first, I do want to just give our requisite shout out to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, we've partnered with them to help support their cause. It's a children's foundation initiative that was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and support the foundation, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Okay, guys. Um, the last episode, we tempted fate by joking that the Blash Hill news would come out directly after uh, the episode posting, because that's just the way it all works. Uh, and then Thursday rolled around, and there was nothing. And Friday rolled around, there was nothing. And I was like, ah, well, it's not going to come on the weekend. So now we're going to record another episode. <laughs> and there's yet another risk. I think um, I saw a very plausible explanation. And I'm sorry to whoever had it on either discord or the reddit i'm sorry um for forgetting they mentioned that the exit interviews they may have been waiting for the grand rapids griffin season to end because valeno and some others are down there so maybe they're trying to get that process all done before making decisions or announcing anything or having their media availability so 
I personally am not in the territory of this is taking a long time. Something is up. Blashill's going to go yet. Like, I, I think Blashill's going to stay. I, I, I would probably 70 plus percent confident in that. Um, it's impossible to read Eisenman, so I don't, I, I couldn't say we're any more confident than that. But, um, if this extends further into this week, then I'll start to think something might be up here. I, my read is Blashill staying because if he's not, this is just cruel to Blashill. Like, um, Every other team, Arizona, Rangers, Columbus, who all moved on from their coach, literally moved on the day after their season ended. Like at the end of the season, just, hey, it's been fun. See ya. Like they, they didn't string them along or, you know, whatever. Because now that there are coaching vacancies, teams are going to run interviews. So it wouldn't be fair to Blashill to prevent him from potentially being in on all these interviews. Um if you're just going to let him go anyway, and if they haven't made up their mind on whether or not they're keeping him yet, that's a huge failure on the organization. That decision should have been made at worst a week ago, probably longer. Um, so yeah, I I think it's either a giant punch to the gut for Blashill, um, or they're likely working on an extension, and I, I do think they're working on an extension and I can get how that could take longer too, right? Like we can be reasonably confident that Blashill's coming back and it doesn't matter what Eisman's thinking is, right? Like it could be, I don't care who the coach is during the rebuild, or it could be, I think Blashill's done a good enough job because the team has been shit and he's had nothing to work with. Whatever it is, Eisman will probably approach this negotiation the exact same way he approaches player negotiations, which is firmly and with a plan in, plan in mind. And so be, in being firm, he could think, I don't want this longer than a year. I want the flexibility. Every year where this team gets better is more of a test for Blashill. And I have no ambition of committing longer to something when I, I don't have to. Uh, he's He has the grace of patience from ownership and from fans, believe it or not. But he also is smart in knowing that this rebuild cannot be extended any longer than it needs to be. And so if he feels he needs to make a coaching switch, he wants the flexibility to do that as quickly as possible with as little financial impact to the ownership as possible. So Blashill could be here saying, I want a three-year deal. And Eisman can be like, mm, I'll give you a one plus one. Yeah. I, Eisman has all the chips right now because quite honestly, there are too many good coaching candidates on the market for Blashill to be the favorite for any job. Eisman probably knows that. The Red Wings even though they are always very standoffish with the fans and give us nothing, they know the pulse of the fan base. So they know that a solid 98% of the fan base wants to move on from Blash Hill. And that might even be a conservative number. I have not seen uh, a solid defense for him. What um, percentage many, did you give? Like 98. I think that's excessive. I would, I would say... <sighs> 70 it's, to 75. I think it, there's a little bit of an echo chamber with... With Twitter, I think if you look at I've, it's Reddit and Facebook, Twitter. you find a lot more support for Blashill. Well, Facebook comments don't count. <laughs> well, and Those, like not all Reddit Facebook live on comments, social media, you can't right? convince me are are made by actual humans. You'll never be able to convince me of that. I, I think <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Your wife posts a lot on Facebook. I know. And she also married me. So what does that tell you about her? Yeah, that's a fantastic point. <laughs> I 
we have more or less the same opinions on Blashell Brad, but I I do either, disagree that either way it's ninety eight. Point being, a heavy majority of the fan base wants to move on from Blashill, and the Red Wings know that. Blashill probably knows that. Blashill's negotiating power right now, which is the point of this, is essentially zero. He he does not have much of a leg to stand on. His whole argument is, well, the team sucked, but maybe less than we thought they'd suck. Please give me a raise. And Eisman's going, yeah, no, you're getting league minimum for one year or you can kick rocks. So that I'm obviously paraphrasing, but that's probably not too far off how these negotiations are going. Like, hey, Jeff, we like you. We'd like to keep you. We're not sure about you. So here's a minimal offer. Do you want to take it? Yes or no. And it might just be taking so long because Blashill is literally sitting there and mulling it over. Like you, who knows? Um, Gerard Gallant is uh, interviewing for the Rangers vacant job as Dan Quinn was let go um, by Chris Drury and uh, Dolan, the owner. Um, Gallant was a favorite of a lot of Red Wings fans. And I remember when Gallant initially got fired and that was closer to the time where we thought Blashill might be a little bit more, um, he might be on more of a hot seat before that kind of settled down and We've we got the very clear impression that he wasn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, we had the excitement because we thought maybe Glant will come in. Things settled. Glant didn't get hired for a while through his reasoning or through you know other teams not put, offering him a situation that you know he wanted to jump into or I don't know who knows how much he interviewed. A lot of that that stuff isn't really released um, publicly. Not the same way as uh, players moving around, but still, um, I get. Red Wings fans who who wanted Gerard Gallant. He's a coach who's had success in multiple uh, with multiple teams. He brought the brand new Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup Finals. The guy, by all rights, is a really really good coach. Um, some might say he's not the right style for the Red Wings. A lot of people might say he's a coach who should come into a team that's more ready to contend rather than a team that's developing. Um, in my mind. I think it's it's more likely that the next coach of the Red Wings will be someone who we haven't talked about yet. And so I'm not really too pressed about the Gallant thing. I would like Gallant, but I think this is where we have to step away from it as Red Wings fans. If you're Gerard Gallant, who would you rather coach, the Rangers or the Red Rangers or the Red Wings? And that's not even a debate. It's very obviously the Rangers. So he could have been like he might not have signed with Detroit because he was holding out for an opportunity like this, and it would have been smart. And if that's what he did, well, it good chance it pays off now. That's got to be one of the most desirable coaching jobs ever, or in the NHL. Eh? Like multiple first or second overall picks. You have Artemi Panarin. You have a team well on its way to to contending. Really, they should have made the playoffs this year if you consider their, their goal differential. They have their goaltending situation figured out. It's in Manhattan, like one of the biggest markets in the NHL, one of the biggest sports market, like maybe the biggest sports market in the world. Like they could pay, they they honestly might get someone who works there for free <laughs> just because of the experience. No, you the only thing going against the, the Rangers is the ownership. Just get in their greasy Dorito covered fingers all over it. And, co- you know, it's more so, uh, issue for a gm because they're the ones making moves but you know the owners will come will could come down on coaching too and try and get their hands on it and that's not desirable for a lot of 
professionals. Like they want to leave their mark, put their stamp on the team, and they don't want some billionaire who's not an owner or not a GM or not a head coach meddling in their affairs. And that's when you as a coach walk into those interviews and say, yep, uh, I'm glad you offered me the job. I'm going to need you to add $500,000 per year uh, as insurance because inevitably I won't make it through this four-year contract. I'll be fired year two and I want that salary. Like that, <laughs> That's just the risk because coaches, when they get fired, they still get paid out unless they get hired by another team and then it's a whole – they essentially – they'll get their money eventually. Uh, and that's why I say you know, when, when Eisman won't want to – he'll want to minimize the financial impact to the ownership. If you fire a coach before the end of the contract – you owe them their money. So you don't really want to be paying two coaches. But yeah, Evan's right. Dolan is a wild card. So that has to factor in for sure. All right, guys. Uh, quick updates on the Red Wings. World champ- IHF World Championships are, are gearing up or, or starting up. Uh, good news. More and more at Cider Highlights as he's taken on with uh, Team Germany. Uh, Jonathan Bergeron didn't make Team Sweden, but Albert Johansson did which is nice. So we'll see a little bit more of Johansson. You have the usual checkmates, which we've been seeing. Justin Abdelkader is playing for Team USA. And uh, Troy Stetcher is was uh, tapped for Canada. If you're wondering why US, uh, the Americans picked Abdelkader, it's been a long season. The World Championships don't always have the best uptake of NHLers or, or the best players in the world. These guys just want to stop quarantining. They just want to enjoy their summers, relax, unwind. I do not blame them. I feel gassed. I have not played even a single shift in the NHL, so can only imagine. Matt Beneers, who's yet to be drafted, is listed as their number one center. If that gives you an idea of what turnout for this tournament is like. Team Canada has four players who have never played a game in the NHL on their team. So, yeah, it's um, I think it's going to be a big tournament for the Euros. And for all of you who um, absolutely love the resurgence of Evan talking in this podcast, I'm sorry. He's actually the third string goalie for Latvia this tournament. So you are not going to be seeing uh, as much of him. He plays Evan's, great. He- Evan's lob singers. <laughs> Just add some umlauts, umlauts, whatever they're called. And uh, we can make anything work around here. And oh, lots yeah. of S's. So many S's. He actually uh, plays a stand-up game, believe it or not. He's the last goalie in the world. He's terrible. His goals against average is like 6.3 or something. But hey, he plays that retro game and you have to appreciate it. <laughs> uh, all right. NHL playoff update before we get into our the next part of our Red Wings season review. Lots of overtime, which we all love to see. Three for uh, three so far. And in the fourth game that's ongoing, the Panthers and Lightning are beating the shit out of each other. So it's been a great playoff so far. Uh, it really feels like the early 2000s with Sidney Crosby scoring a ridiculous goal in the playoffs for the con- uh, division-winning Pittsburgh Penguins and Mark Flurry putting up a Con Smythe effort. Um, yeah, geez. and you wake up and it's 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the resurgence of people paying attention to just how good Crosby still is and what are supposed to be his waning years. As a Red Wings fan, I have a lot of like hockey animosity for Crosby when Detroit was up there with Pittsburgh, but you have to appreciate how good the guy is. Um, Should not be discounted. I've seen a lot of stats this week or charts this week, and it's like, Connor McDavid versus through his first 400 and whatever number of games and Crosby through his first 400 number of games. And it's just like their numbers are so close and it just like 
it feels like it's been forever that we've really talked about Sidney Crosby being like as generational and as good as he is and was. But then they <laughs> they added another line below, and it was Mario Lemieux and then Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky had like a, almost twelve hundred points through like four hundred and some odd, or his first six seasons or something like that. Wasn't he the first and second fastest player to reach a thousand points? The first was his first thousand, and the second was his second thousand points. I have no right. idea. Only Brad would know that. <laughs> yeah, that's it, true. It sounds right. I don't. I don't know. It's I just, always love the stat of you could take away every single one of Wayne Gretzky's goals that he scored in the NHL, and he'd still be the all-time leader in points. Oh, and by the way, he has the all-time record for goals for now. <laughs> there's there's that other one where it's like most points by brothers in the NHL, and it's like yeah. <laughs> Wayne. It's the Gretzky family. It's like Wayne with however many thou- like two thousand whatever, and it's like Brent four. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he still gets 50% of he got, that. Record. He got four points. Oh, man. I some, I think it was a friend who had no interest in hockey. They're like, imagine how that must have felt to be Brent. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't care. At some point, it's just so ridiculous. You're like, yeah, sorry, I'm not my greatest of all time brother. Yeah, geez. I mean, you could make the argument based on his merits as a hockey player alone. Brent Gretzky might never get drafted or play in the NHL, but people are like, he's a Gretzky. So maybe he'll unlock something at some point. So let's give it a shot. <laughs> That's where the nepotism totally makes sense. Um, okay, playoff update. Uh, Caps beat the Bruins in overtime. The Islanders beat the Penguins in overtime. The Wild beat the Golden Knights in overtime. And as we're recording, the Panthers are leading the Lightning 2-1. to one. Let me tell you, as someone who picked the Panthers in seven, how annoying it was to see that Sergei Bobrovsky was starting game one. What a stubborn team. He's been good the second half of the season. He has been. He has been. But I'm just like, I'm staking a lot on you guys. I put no money down. If there's any team that's scared of Sergei Bobrovsky, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. (laughs) That's a great point. I actually hadn't thought of that. You were totally right. I am fully ready for the end of series Wikipedia page change. Sergei Bobrovsky, owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, it's coming. We know it's going to happen if they win. Like clockwork. All right. Red Wings season review part two. Let's start with the forwards. How do you guys want to do this? You want me to go through, just bring up players randomly and we'll chat about them and grade their season? Let's do it alphabetically so nobody reads anything into how, in what order we rate them. Okay. Um, This one's a little bit of a tragic one to start. Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, N-A. Yeah. There's what nothing to analyze to here. He had a good seven games. Cool. His he contract was, negotiations are going to be a shit show. He was poised to continue a recent, not a recent, like an extended streak of really strong play. Like he had a fantastic season last season. Looked like it was going to be the same thing this season. Really was in a weird way, the glue with Larkin Bertuzzi Mantha and Mantha never really stuck on that top line after Bertuzzi went down. So silver lining here is that contract might be a little bit more friendly to Detroit. Now that he's missed this full year, you have to hope with the kind of injury that he had and the surgery that he's going to come back and recover. But yeah, the grade here is NA. You can't, it's unfair to grade him. I'll give him a B for back be broken. 
I'll give him a B for Bertuzzi. No, we took a, on. We took away all the. the <laughs> That's all the material, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else? No. Uh, Matthias Brome. If I might start here, because I think all of us were to some degree excited for Matthias Brome. Um, not as like a top line Red Wing, but as someone who was a like mature player. He's not yet like he wasn't a rookie level age. Like he wasn't 21 when he came over. He came over from Europe. Already had the experience, already had some games under his belt uh, recently, um, was less rusty than any other player, just didn't pan out. Yeah, unfortunate, didn't have, didn't have the finishing. I could see his value on this team as a depth player, but it's really not worth crying over that he's left the Red Wings. He gets a D-plus from me. Um a D plus is perfect because the D is for Darren Helm and the plus is for slightly better than. That's it. That's the biggest compliment I'm giving him. I, I liked him and he was better than some of the guys who got a bit more ice time than him. But yeah, two points in however many games, whatever. Depth guys are very easily replaced. I was very optimistic about Matias Brome and about the for the first like two games. So I think I had him chalked as an A because he came out of nowhere to zero expectations. And after that, his grade just fell off a cliff. Like, yeah, didn't didn't produce, it. even though it wasn't, you know, really meant to be. We have the Red Wings have a Matias Brome everywhere in the organization. Um, it was a good experiment. It just wasn't meant to be for team and player. So. Moving, moving on from him, um, I don't know. I didn't even really have any. How's, I don't have expectations for guys like him. I'll just say he was a D because it just didn't work out. Adam Ernie. This is a fun one because obviously he came through in a big way for Detroit uh, for a certain phase of the season. It wasn't really sustained and he didn't hold it forever, but it was fun as hell. And I think we saw a flash of offense that we saw from Adam Ernie or that we hoped we would have seen from Adam Ernie last season. Um, Knowing it's there is good and knowing it's there makes me feel comfortable keeping him on as a depth player. I don't think he's an important depth player by any stretch of the imagination. Like he's not anyone where if he wasn't on the Red Wings next season, it's worth like losing your mind over. But uh, knowing that talent is in there is, is really it's promising. And it makes you feel better about the kind of depth that the Red Wings have. Like for all the shit that we give, you know, Darren Helm, there's no finish in there. Like he's not going to put up the points. It's nice to know that from time to time, Adam Ernie could possibly contribute. I give him a B plus this year. Not not the best year through and through, but just having him unlock that that piece of his game. That's enough for me to, to give him a B plus. I think he deserves that. I beat to death. The fact that bottom six players, by and large, are like completely replaceable. And for as much as we love Helm, Glenn Denning, Gagne, so on and so forth, it, it's not hard to find those guys around the league. And I say that because the mentality I would like the Red Wings to have is to not be so loyal to these depth players and try a bunch of guys there. Because if you get lucky through a trade, free agency, a upcoming prospect... One of these depth guys turns out to be half decent and puts up 10 to 20 goals a year. Okay, Adam Ernie was that hit. That's a win. 
this is exactly why you replace depth players because eventually one of them's going to do what Adam Ernie did this year. Next year, I hope he can do it a bit more consistent, but he did it. He he was one of the Red Wings' leading scorers, a bit of a beneficiary of getting a favorable deployment on the power play, but he did his job while he was there. And uh, yeah, I don't think Adam Ernie's ever going to be a top six forward. Top nine might even be a little optimistic, but I'd say likely third liner at this point. Worst case, fourth line on a good team. Um, his playmaking ability is still next to zero. Uh, showed half decent finishing ability, and he brings a ton of energy out there. Like he's good defensively. He throws the body around. He's all over the place. He can ver- versatile is the word I'm looking for. He's a very versatile player. As long as you're not asking him to be the playmaker, he can pretty much fill whatever role you want. So I had the bar was on the floor for my expectations with Ernie to begin the year. I wish he would have been a little more consistent, but I'm pleasantly surprised. So I'll give him a, a B, a flat B. Yeah. For, if we're grading players on their expectations of them this year, I'd say Adam Ernie was basically just, you know, the, the, who the next Darren Helm, the next greatest Red Wing in organization history. Um, the fact that he scored any amount of goals, is great um so i'll say he's a b plus too like i thought he based on what i think of adam ernie i think he exceeded expectations like i don't know how to give him anything less than that all right robbie fabry and this is a guy who had injury towards the end of the year but i think he had i think he played 30 games on the dot actually if i remember yeah he had 30 games on the dot uh 10 goals eight assists for 18 points one of the few plus players in this team because we all know plus minus is a great stat uh among the leaders uh in points per 60 he trailing only behind uh verona and bertuzzi um robbie fabry so i hesitate to give out a's i, I don't think like if you're going to watch this or listen to this and think no Red Wings deserve an A after the season, you're absolutely right. But all of this is relative to the Red Wings and and that's how we'll measure it. I think Fabry gets an A minus. I think since he's brought over, he's done what's been expected for someone of his talent level and a little bit more. And he also has those scary knee injuries as well, which can make it all go away in an instant. And that hasn't seemed to have hampered him yet. He's fit in well in this team. And I think for all of his efforts, he, he gets an A- minus in my mind. So this is, for me, the argument about what expectations should have been. Because last year when Fabry came in, he well exceeded all our expectations. He was playing on a 50 to 60 point pace. And none of us were sure if that was sustainable. Was that just extra motivation because he came over from a new team? Was vying for spot? Was this sustainable? Fair or not, that was now the expectation for him because we saw him do it. So we know he could do it. That's his baseline. So that was my expectation coming into the season. I wasn't positive he was going to keep it up, but that was his baseline. He just about was uh, exactly on that baseline this year. So fantastic news that it wasn't an aberration it was real this is who Robbie Fabry is as a player which was fantastic news but relative to expectation he he hit it so whatever expectation Mets grade is is what I give Fabry so to me that's B B minus I'll say B minus because I gave Adam Ernie higher than that and Adam Ernie exceeded expectation Fabry met expectation which is more than and 
Saying Fabry met expectations sounds like it's not a compliment. Relative to the rest of the team, it's a massive compliment. So I'll give Fabry a B minus just because he did it wow. again. B minus. Right? If Fabry did, I give him an A minus. If this was last year, I give Fabry an A plus because that came out of nowhere. But like I said, he reset his baseline. Man, I don't know. He was one of the most reliably good Red Wings this year. And when I say one of, I mean one of very few. And he was last year as well. This is what I'm talking about relative to expectation. This is not a guy who (sighs) overperformed, underperformed. He he was right where he should have been, which is great. Because again, I'm trying. I understand it's all relative to the Red Wings, but I'm trying to at least keep some grocery stick of what the rest of the NHL's expectations are for a good hockey player, good expectations to be a good team. It's easy to give Robbie Fabry an A plus relative to the rest of the team. I'm just trying to keep, you know, everything in perspective. I get that it's not an easy thing to do because you keeping things relative only internal to the team isn't it's going to skew measurements because a minus players or a plus players. And this is all arbitrary podcasts bullshit um, on the Red Wings won't be on like the Tampa Bay lightning, of course, but at the same time, you don't want to measure everyone against the cup champs because then everyone's going to suck. But I don't know. I think at some point you have to reward one of the better players on the team. So here's, here's where I'm going to poke a hole in your own logic. Who, exceeded your expectation more this year? Robbie Fabry or Adam Ernie? Adam Ernie, but... But you can't, not, you can't give Fabry a higher grade than Adam Ernie. No, but I'm not... Measure, I, my measurement isn't a player's, like, uh, a player's expectation solely relative to themselves. Like, I'm factoring in the team. I'm factoring in overall performance. Like, it, it all works in there. It's not I'm a simple factoring formula. factoring all this stuff in, too. The only way it gets tricky is for guys who are new to the team this year, because I don't have a baseline for them with this shitty team. So, let's say we had the Red Wings had, like, Braden Point or Miko Ranton or Mitch Marner, like, 90-point okay. players. Like, let's say you treat them like 90-point players, and they get 90 points this year on the dot. You're giving them a B minus? Yeah. They You're on drugs. We're you're talking about relative to expectation. <laughs> no, change your scale. You're stupid. <laughs> Evan, please, can you jump it in? Would and be, call one it would be it would be boring if we just graded them best player to worst player because we could bang that out in ten seconds. <laughs> please, Evan. Please. I feel like if we we're doing best to worst, the worst would be where the most conversation happens. <laughs> um, we probably would also evaluate the players slightly different because. You know, we're not trying to just give out, you know, trying to sound nice for once, being optimistic, maybe. Uh, who are we talking about? Robbie Fabry? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was good. Um, I wasn't totally listening to what you guys had to say. Jesus um, I won't even explain what I was looking <laughs> the at. The most nuanced part of the conversation we're going to have. I won't even explain what I was looking at, but... Um, yeah, I thought he had a good season. I don't want to ask now. No. I was looking at a murder cottage. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they said it was on the lake, but I think someone died in the basement of that cottage. So. I heard you typing. I'm like, he's looking up Fabry's like, expected goals per 60 or something. Like Evan usually does when we murder start arguing. Cottage. This dude's on murder cottage. Okay, Evan, grade letter grade based on however you want to to grade these players what do you give robbie fabry because we need to move i'll give robbie a robbie fabry a b 
I thought, you know, he was adequate for who he is. Um, you know, it was just expectations. Like, I don't know. I thought he was, he did what he had to do. Thank you, Evan. Whatever. Thank you. This is why you're my favorite. Valtteri Filpula. I wear that as a badge of honor. Valtteri Filpula. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you start with uh, with Flip. Um, so low expectations going into the season, and he somehow didn't even live up to those. Uh, he was. I don't think he played a single game in the month of March. He was a regular healthy scratch. He he had his moments. I'm not going to say the entire year was a write-off for Phil It was a little bit of a piss-off that all his best moments came in the truly meaningless games. Um, you know, nostalgia factor prevents me from absolutely just shredding the guy for his season, but it, it was bad. I D. I don't I feel like anything lower than that would be cruel. <laughs> you know, I actually I want to come in and, and defend Phil a little bit. I don't think he deserved his deployment and i don't think he deserved really the ice time and when he was sitting it made a lot of sense and i want to get that out of the way i don't think he was an effective or good player for the red wings and i don't think that was a secret to anyone this season and it wasn't the expectation wasn't wasn't any different this season like it was essentially said out loud when philpla was brought on he was a warm body to to play center for the red wings who had absolutely no center depth um and especially at on the last year of the contract He's aged. It's not going to be pretty. He looked atrocious at times, but he did at points this season come through and use that excessive utilization. And like you said, it wasn't the most important games, but he did come through with some like weird goals or like randomly he'd put together like a vintage Philpula assist. And I was like, hey, that's nice to see. I don't think he was a good player this year. Um, my expectation wasn't that he would be a good player this year. He was, again, just a warm body. I'll give him a C because it made me, it gave me some warm fuzzies this year to watch him do some Philpola things. Not very often, but it reminded me of the good old days. And uh, he served his contract for what it was supposed to be. So a C, and I, I know that's a little bit generous, but hey. Val Philpola is basically where's, is where's Waldo. Because it takes you forever to figure out where he is amongst everybody else. And when you find figure it out, you're kind of just like, eh, okay, found him. Like, yeah, just there. Mind you, his counting stats were almost, well, on pace he was better than last year, counting stats-wise. But, you know, what does that mean when you're one of the worst teams in the league? Um, I don't know. He's just a guy. He, he's a guy who I never see out on the ice do something that blows me away or I'm like wow I can't believe Valtteri Filippi did that in a good sense doing something positive on the ice I'll give him a C minus um I don't know (laughs) he's getting paid three million bucks living the dream uh Sam Gagne I know we said we wouldn't spend too much time on the (laughs) players who are easy to evaluate but again Sam Gagne I think in my mind, wasn't expected to do a lot. I appreciated what Sam Gagne brought to the Red Wings. Again, I really do. I think when we talk about veteran presence, Sam Gagne was a genuine veteran presence. There was a few instances this season where you saw actual leadership on the ice. Um, and I thought for his role, he was effective. 
He wasn't, a, he wasn't a needle mover on the ice. He wasn't out there winning a ton of games. He wasn't out there playing against the league's best players. But I think for what Sam Gagne was supposed to be and how he was deployed, he was fine. And at times good um, relative to his position. You're not going to notice him because that's not how he was utilized. He's not on Larkin's line. But I like Sam Gagne. He gets a B for me. Yeah, he was fine. He was uh, – I am whelmed um, on a team that was – Devoid of good hockey players. He was adequate. Um, he wasn't super impactful, but he also wasn't a liability, which is a big win. Um, he was versatile. He played where they needed him to play, power play, penalty kill, do what he needed to do on five on five. Um, the the not being impactful in any way part prevents me from giving him too good of a grade. But yeah, I, I'm with you. He's somewhere between a B minus and a B. We're talking about um, Sam Gagne? Yeah. Yep. You both what did you give him, Ryan? B. We both gave him Bs. You guys gave him B. Jesus Christ. What am I supposed to do here? Um uh, give him a B. Let's just make it a clean sweep and I'll get yeah, I'll give him a B because he seems like such a good dude. Um and definitely gets into the chari- charitable things quickly with any team he goes to. In terms of his on ice. I don't know. He's got nothing. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Luke Glendening. Oh, man. F for (laughs) face-offs. That's your only real answer. (laughs) Look, we tooted Luke Glendening's horn a lot of, uh, with a lot of irony this year. Uh, In previous seasons, I would have had a lot more substance to go on for Luke Glendening in terms of, you know, this guy is actually doing a lot more than could reasonably be expected of him. And he did deliver on that for a lot of his career. And I don't think he's like completely washed, but he's not. I think he's past that part of his career for, with the Red Wings. He did serve a purpose this year, and he continues to serve a purpose on this team in a depth role. I'm not clamoring to get Luke, get rid of Luke Glendening. I actually kind of hope he gets brought back on a good depth deal. Um, he gets a B- minus for me. Maybe B. Um, He did everything that was asked of, them, uh, asked of him, which whether we like it or not, was a lot. Um, He had a lot to deal with, a lot of ice time, tough deployments, tough defensive roles, key face-offs. He he was okay in those. He wasn't particularly great defensively, but he also wasn't a train wreck. He uh, provides nothing offensively. Uh, He had a couple backhand goals, which was fun. Um, honestly, I, we all expect nothing from him offensively. So every goal is a bonus. Um, I'm going to give him a C plus again. He was, he was all right. Um, but I'm bumping it down to a C because I had to put up with all that face-off talk all year. So yes, something he did good actually pissed me off. So he gets a C for it. Yeah. I mean, he, did he end up finishing leading the league in face-off percentage? I don't care. I don't want to know. <laughs> All right. Well, that changes my grade. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Luke Glendening good at face-off. Luke Glendening is ultra-athletic, but not particularly good at professional hockey. So he gets a C-. minus. I don't know. What What are your expectations for Luke Glendening? Like, you're going to kill some penalties, but the team will be terrible on the penalty kill. Uh, you'll... Sp- fuel another year of trade speculation to toronto 
Um, I don't know. C minus. That's what I'm going with. What did I give Philpula? A, a C? Nothing in the. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Give him a C. Uh, Darren Helm. Look, let's make this short and sweet. Darren Helm is is over the hill on his career. He's had a a good career and is loved by a lot of Red Wings fans, and I think that's well deserved. This season was as good of an indicator as any that that part of even the depth usefulness in my mind is gone. He had seven or eight points in 40 plus games. Where is it here? Yeah, 47 games. He had eight points. Uh, The impacts just aren't. Yeah, the impacts just aren't there for me anymore um, to justify keeping him. C minus D plus is what it is. It's not it's not a black mark on him. It's just a natural career progression for a depth grinder like him. Uh, I'll give him a D for Darren and a plus because I like him. That's succinct enough, honestly. He didn't even break double digits in points. He's just another guy on the roster who's ready for a, the old turnover. Um, but man, did we do we have some memories? It's not about you know, it's not about the points. It's about the memories we have along the way. All right, Taro Hirose is not getting a grade because he barely played, so he gets the NA. All right, here's a big one: Dylan Larkin. Evan, why like, don't you start us off? I would like everyone to know that Ryan keeps editing out my talk of murder cottages. <laughs> let let <laughs> it be known that the censorship will not continue. <laughs> I will not allow the people to be censored like this. Now, moving on. I'm just going to splice this like in with my conversation about Dylan Larkin so that you I can't meant- edit it. I would honestly make my case if I thought there was a damn point to it, but I know there isn't. <laughs> um, Dylan Larkin, um, oh. I I, I want to, you know, just give him an A because he's got a captain the Detroit Red Wings right now through uh, hell and high water. Um, it's a hard task to do. Like, it's hard to get in front of the cameras every single night after get losing again or not the team not scoring any goals or our power play sucks for 50 attempts, it feels like, um, and, and keep trying to say something that resembles optimism. Um, you know, I didn't particularly like his game a lot this year. Um, lots of perimeter play. Uh, obviously with better players, he's going to get hopefully some better chances. Counting stats weren't all that great this year. Um, I don't even remember what we said in our season preview, what we thought would be a successful year for him in terms of points, but I I don't think he had a great year. Um, but right now isn't the time where we need him to have great years. Um, we need to save those for later down the road when the team is, (laughs) positioning themselves to be in contention to win um i'll give dylan larkin a c plus i don't know if that's being too harsh but i don't think the season really matters at the end of the day murder cottage murder cottage (laughs) so on a scale of uh all the rooms in a murder cottage uh dylan larkin gets a grade of the spare bedroom so according to evan Hey, if it's so, not in the basement, it's gr- that's a great mark. It's a terrific grade. So Larkin didn't have 
good year. That's the reality of it. Now, his underlying numbers were still amongst the strongest on the team. We understand the supporting cast he had to play with. We understand he had to carry the burden of being a first-year captain. We understand uh, the fact that he has to be the captain through a rebuild. So he's got a lot going against him there. That being said, he's had a lot going against him for most of his career so far. And this was probably the weakest season of his career. And it, it's kind of hard to sugarcoat it. He was just a hair over a half a point per game. There were rumors that he was playing injured. Um, but if we don't know that for sure, we can't base our grade off that. We did see flashes. Like he did have stretches where he looked like Dylan Larkin. Um and he was given ample ice time, top line power play. Like he he was given all the opportunity he could have on a team this bad, and he didn't do a hell of a lot with it. Um honestly, relative to what I was expecting this year, he I was expecting him to take a step forward from last year, and he took a pretty big step backwards. I want to give him a C minus, but because of all the weight he had to carry and everything going around it, I, I will upgrade that to a C just to be fair to him. I think one thing that we do wrong is sometimes we get too hung up with looking at things in a vacuum. And we also really color things with how we would like the Red Wings to be coached. When we talked about what would be a good season for Larkin or Zadina or these players where you want them to have the offensive output and you know that there's more in there, we weren't necessarily factoring in the fact that not only does Blashill not really coach that kind of game, he actually implemented a completely opposite system this year. And I know in my head, I wasn't really factoring that into projections or, or you know, bars for success. And that was a mistake because this team is heavily schemed defensively. Uh, the first thing that Blashill does when a player shows any kind of aptitude on the ice is make sure that they can play in the defensive zone, which isn't inherently a bad thing. I'm not criticizing that. I will say not every player is a 200-foot player, so by God, do not stunt Jacob Verona by making him, you know, a defensive stalwart. That's an argument for a different day. Um, Larkin is the figurehead, the key focus. He is the first player that Bla that comes to Blashell's mind when he thinks of defensive responsibility from our best players. He really encourages that game. So, yeah, Larkin didn't have the best year. And I think even if you look at the opportunities he did have, you guys are right. He didn't capitalize as much as we've seen him do in the past. But at the same time, a lot of this is systemic. Uh, a lot of this is based on the kind of game that Blashell asks him to play. Um the guy hustles harder than anyone else, I think, on the Red Wings and has from the moment he got here. He He's a captain. He has one of the hardest captaincy roles in the NHL. Um, I'd love to see more from him, and I do have fear that this won't be the best for his career progress, What uh, the way the Red Wings are going right now. Some of that is timing. Some of that is personnel. Some of that is coaching. But I can't give him worse than a B-. minus. I actually – you know what? I'm going to give Larkin a B. It's not his best year, but the guy has a lot on his shoulders and he's being asked to play a different game. See, this is where for me, it can't, I can't really paint his season in, in broad brushes because it was such an up and down season. My biggest criticism of Larkin this year, I, I understand that the counting stats would be limited because of Blashill. That's, that's true of everybody. Like I'm, we have to factor that into every single grade we give every single forward because they were, to a certain extent, all handcuffed. Um, 
the problem with Larkin is I saw him drift into so many bad habits that he had early in his career. The, I'm just going to skate really fast down the wing, go around the net, and then fire it at the net. Like he did that so many times this year and he worked it out of his game to diversify his offensive attack more. And then he just completely got rid of that this year. We, we barely saw it. Um, so again, I, stuff like that for me is hard to chalk up to Blashill as much as I, you know me, I'll take every chance I can get to, to pin something on Blashill, but it's just once they have the zone, Blashill doesn't really handcuff him there. Yeah, he doesn't have a, much of an offensive system to write home to at all. But when they get there, they he, they're not handcuffed. And once Larkin got the zone, he just didn't do anything with it most of the time. It was so many one and dones. Shot on net, rebound cleared. Shot on net, rebound cleared. Like it was, and that wasn't his whole season. Because if that was his whole season, I give him a D minus, and I don't think twice about it. Because we did see, like I said, flashes of the improved, progressed Larkin that we saw the last couple of years, but. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't even, I, I don't even want to say it wasn't even regular. Um, he was put in an impossible situation, but he, the opportunities he did get, he didn't really capitalize nearly as much as he should have. It's, you're right. It's incredibly complicated. It's incredibly complicated. And a lot of this will, will come out more in our coaching conversation. Um, we're not going to do Mantha. He's not on the team anymore. If we did, he'd get at best to C minus in my mind. I don't know. Wasn't a great year for Mantha. Uh, Vlad Nemesnikov. Who, what are you talking about? He gets an A plus. He got us Jacob Vron on a first round pick. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, Vlad Nemesnikov um, has like five or six empty net goals or something ridiculous like that. Doesn't he have a ton of empty net goals? And somehow he's not the empty net king on this team. Putting that <laughs> up there. Vlad's been fine. Uh, I've, it's easy to cheer for Vlad. I, I think he has played his middle six role fine enough on this team. He's not the world's most proficient scorer, quite obviously. Um, doesn't always make the impact on the ice that you would hope him to, but he, I prefer the, the Nemesnikovs to, to fill in those spots right now than the Philpolos. And for that, I appreciate it. He gets a, a B minus C plus, whatever is more apt. Everything I thought about Vlad Nemesnikov going into this season, I was wrong about. I, I assumed he was an offensive, pretty soft player, not a defensive liability, but not a strong point. But like, you know, he would chip in offensively. Everything about that perception was backwards. He was maybe the most aggressive Red Wing. He seemed to be in every scrum after the whistle. He was an angry little Red Wing running around the ice this year, which in a season where it was hard to find motivate motivation, I appreciated the hell out of. He was way better defensively than I think I gave him credit for. But then conversely, he brought almost nothing offensively. <laughs> like you, you as a black hole in the offensive zone, again, understanding that Blashill has a lot to do with that, but still he scored what two goals on a goaltender this year. If you're playing two, three C like that's not acceptable. I don't care how limiting the system is. Um, so yeah, overall it was an acceptable season. It just wasn't acceptable in the way I thought it would be. So I don't know. I, I say C plus. I guess if you're not adding, putting up points, you got to make it up in some other area of the, the game of hockey. So 
if he wasn't going to score, he may as well try and get in some some fights or get into the the fun stuff. Um, his contract is cheap. He fills a hole for now. Um, I didn't think he had a particularly strong season. I don't even know really what my expectations were for him. Um, I don't know. I'll say C+. The thing is, like, people, there's for sure the, the people who hate listen to this or hate watch because it seems to mostly be YouTube. Uh, they're going to take this, these, like, these ratings specifically and say, God, oh, Nemesnikov. B minus, he was terrible. 17 points in 53 games is awful for a guy who's playing in your middle six. And that is objectively correct. That's right. It's just that this is very much an exercise of we have to say this now because this is the team and the circumstance right now. This is the Red Wings Wings middle six. Yeah. Yeah. When when we're looking at a very strong team and, you know, however many years, we'll look back on this and laugh happily all together. Yeah. If we're benchmarking against other teams in the division, I'm terrified because other teams have a very competent middle six and probably their bottom bottom six could outplay some of our top uh, play the uh, outplay the top six for detroit most nights so we're just you know it's it's relative to the red wings not to the rest of the division (laughs) or because if we if we held every player and ranked them based on where they rank for the position and the role they played, like first line C, second line wing, first pairing defenseman, and ranked it against the average in the NHL, is there more than three players that grade above a D plus on this team this year? Yeah, it's like, tough. This conversation we, would be we, a lot quicker. Like so, exactly. So we we have to compare them. That's why I, I want to make it clear we're comparing them to preseason expectations. We knew the Red Wings would be one of the worst teams in the league this year, and they were. But if you grade the team overall, they're probably getting graded above a D plus because they exceeded our expectations. So it's just you have to factor this in with every player. So like to get a D or lower ranking on this team this year, you have had to have been absolutely fucking god awful to get like a F on this team. I don't even think I'm going to hand out an F because I don't think anybody underperformed by that much. Um, Franz Nielsen, I don't want to hang around here too much. (laughs) D plus. It's no point in beating this one down. He got sat for a lot of games. And in my mind, I'm not, it made it so I wasn't like frustrated by Franz Nielsen's existence on the Red Wings this year. Simple as that. Um, a D minus, whatever. Richard Ponick. I don't know. He was fine. I don't know. C. C minus C-. actually C because he scored that sweet goal <laughs> from the <laughs> flopped it straight into the air. Yeah. And there was the, the muff punt and then he went and buried uh, it. I'm up. I'm upgrading him to a C plus because he actually did the one thing I've never seen a Red Wing do. And that was try something cool in a meaningless game. Yeah. That breakaway he had where he flipped the stick over and tried to shoot it up with his stick upside down with the toe of his stick. The fact he tried that. I respect the hell out of him. You never do that in a meaningful game, but that is the exact type of fun bullshit you try in a game that doesn't matter. So he gets upgraded to a C plus for that alone. Michael Rasmussen. I want to give Michael Rasmussen an A minus because of how much he's overcome in a very rocky career path a lot of it not his fault i think an a minus is generous so i'll probably stick to a b plus but i will say as someone who has largely written off 
the idea of Michael Rasmussen as a top line winger or someone who is worthy of that ninth overall pick. He still has been very impressive this year in the strides that he's made. Um, I have a lot of hope for him in Detroit's middle six moving forward, probably closer to third line than second line. Uh, but the progress he made this year as a player is enough to give him that B plus rating in my mind. I'm not concerned about output on the ice. I'm not concerned about point totals with this. His growth as a player is important to the Red Wings future in that it's a big bonus because you could easily have looked at Michael Rasmussen this previous offseason and said, he's likely not going to factor into the Red Wings future. And you still might be right, but he's he's really done a good job of, of sticking to his development making good use of his time in the NHL and on a bad team has been impressive. Yeah. Again, this is where relative to expectation becomes so important because I think going into the season, most people would have been comfortable to label him as a bust. I don't think we did that because we understood the circumstances with his injury and the stupid CHL NHL agreement where he couldn't go to the AHL in the season where he probably needed to. Um, we, we understood the context, and uh, it's one of the few things we've got right. Uh, he did massively overperform what I thought. Now, I don't want people to get carried away because on Twitter, everybody, us included, were heaping praise on Michael Rasmussen this year. And I think a lot of people equated that to, oh, my God, we got ourselves like, you know, a second line center here. No, no, we do not. Um, for me to be an effective top three center in the NHL, you need to be able to do at you need to be able to do three things or at least two of the three things at an elite level and that's defend create offense and by create offense i mean you need to be able to score and set up the players around you and you need to be able to skate well going into this season michael rasmussen did none of those things well coming out of this season i would say he does two of those things well but not at an elite level yet his skating Maybe the single most improved skill of any Red Wing this year. It was night and day. His skating was very noticeably better. And his defensive game was very, very good. He is not a line driver offensively. His playmaking ability is still just this side of not present. Um, he's great off the cycle. Um, for somehow, for a guy who is labeled at number nine overall being a difference maker on the power play and an elite power play guy had zero power play goals. Uh, is a testament to how far he still has to come offensively. Everything from the neutral zone to his own end was great. His offensive game still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, he He's not inept offensively. He can create chances for himself and he can finish chances when he's given them, but he is not a distributor, not a playmaker, and not a line driver. So I think he's ideally suited for a third line wing role on a very good team second line wing if you need a second liner there is hope for him still as a center but i don't think that's beyond the third line grade for relative to expectation that i had for him this year i'll give him an a minus because honestly i i was trending towards he was a bust so i'm very very happy to be wrong on that one yeah, this year was the year where I kind of thought that Michael Rasmussen has a chance to actually play in the NHL. Like, he, he didn't look out of place, per se. Did did he stand out in, you know, an offensive way or defensive way? Not really. Um, but it certainly is an improvement over the other years where it looked like he was drowning out there. Like, it was the game was passing him by. <clears throat> 
excuse me, and um, he he just couldn't keep up. This is the first time where I thought, you know, maybe there's a chance that he can carve out a career in some capacity in the NHL. He didn't produce any offense, and like Brad, you said, didn't do anything on the power play, which is what his bread and butter apparently was in his draft year. Um, but I think there's you know something sal- salvageable in in him still. So, um, in terms of expectations, I, I think he exceeded them, considering they couldn't have been much lower. I, I don't think. Um, so I'll give him a B plus. I, I thought he was okay. Bobby Ryan, um, impressive start to the year, uh, really easy guy to root for. Obviously, injuries derailed this season. It definitely out points went cold as well. Uh, he gets a B for me because he gave us some fun, performed really well for uh, a veteran who was really just a kind of gap filler for the Red Wings. Um, honestly, might have garnered a, a draft pick at trade deadline had he not been hurt. So if he can stay healthy and kind of do what he did this past year, I'm fine with him. Same thing as Sam Gagne. Is he going to be a needle mover? No, but as the Red Wings are rebuilding, happy to have him. He gets a B for me. He created offense. He brought some creativity in the offensive zone. Uh, he scored some goals, which was pretty damn rare. Um, yeah, his injury sucked. Um, I had very low expectations for him, and he was damn near a half a point per game player. So that was great. I'll, I mean, I'll give him a B plus. I was over the moon with what we got out of him before he got hurt. Yeah, he came out of the gates hot, scoring. At least, he was what was tied for the league lead very, very, very early in the season. Um, Like I've said the whole time, the biggest thing about Bobby Ryan is he wanted to be there and getting someone to want to be there on this team is impossible, Um, especially a free agent. So the fact that he want to be there, you know, he had 18 points in 30 games. He led the team in scoring for some capacity of the year before he was injured. I'll give him an A minus. I don't even know really what I expected of, of Bobby Ryan coming into the year. Um, but, you know, he wanted to be there. I thought he put up some good offense while he could under Jeff Blashill. I think that's all I can ask for. A minus. You love your uh, your guys who are in the second half of their careers, eh? Like, that's the Evan Lobsinger type player. The Steve oh, me Ott, and Brian Bobby Ryan's be friends. Absolutely, you and Berkey would be best friends. Me and Jim Rutherford would just trade the same players every single year. <laughs> just We'd have a, a 20-year plan lined out. Uh, Giovanni Smith, I have a hard time rating just because he didn't get a ton of ice this year. Uh, he gets a B for me because when he was in there, he showed some skill uh, on the fourth line. He's improved his skating where I feel comfortable with having him as a regular depth NHLer, and, uh, he beat the piss out of the people who needed the piss beat out of them. So uh, that that's good enough for B B plus even for Giovanni Smith. Um, he was exactly what I thought Giovanni Smith was. So yeah, I'll give him a B minus. He was a good version of Giovanni Smith. That's a great way of putting it. Okay, uh, we're going to kind of not speed through these next ones. They're actually all important. Uh, Yevgeny Svechnikov. This is a fun one. I, uh, I'll let you take the lead here, Brad. Okay, so this is where we have to be very real. We expected nothing from Svechnikov this year. Uh, we weren't sure where he'd be coming back after the knee injury. We weren't sure he was going to be a Red Wing this year, despite the fact he's, what, 24 years old when the season started? 
And we weren't sure he'd get an opportunity. And then eventually he got recalled. Blashill gave him no ice time. He was perpetually in the doghouse, despite being maybe the happiest human being on the face of the earth perpetually. I mean, this was the most confusing part of the season for me. And the biggest disconnect between player and coach in terms of usage that I could find on the Red Wings. Like for as much as we griped about how much Glendetting and Helm played and how insane that was, like you at least understood the logic there, no matter how much you disagreed with it. I watched Svechnikov closer than any other Red Wing for a good chunk of the season because I could not figure out why he kept going on waivers, why he would get seven minutes a night, why he would be a healthy scratch. And I never was able to figure it out. He was good. He created offense. He wasn't a liability defensively. He could make plays in transition. He could make the passes that needed to be made. And when he got an opportunity to score, he's one of the few guys on the team who can actually shoot the damn puck into the net. Like, I expected nothing from Svechnikov this year, and I was one of the bigger optimists on Svechnikov going into this year, trying to tell other people, hey, don't write him off just yet. And he exceeded my expectations. Like, I give Evgeny Svechnikov at worst a B plus, probably an A minus, and I think everybody in the organization would give him a, a, a C at best, and I just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Look, Svechnikov, you're right about those things, Brad. I, I think a lot of his production, especially once you look at underlying numbers, like, you know, points per 60, you look at the the relative course four percentage, like the guy didn't output a lot. No Red Wings did unless you're Verona, of course, um, or Hronik with secondary assists. But you're right in, in these little pockets or if you take if you took a deeper look, Svechnikov has that skill. I think largely what it is with Svechnikov is that this is the peak, right? Like this is his athletic peak. We're seeing it. We have seen it. He's not going to get substantially better than this, which is why I, the more I think about it, the the less I get hung up on him being waived or anything. I definitely disagree with it. Um, I also give him a B plus. I'm happy to have seen him score. I'm happy to have seen him be able to play a professional game against his brother. Um, I'm happy to have seen him in the NHL. And, and I hope if he's with the Red Wings next year, he is used in lieu of a Valtteri Filpula, Filpula type next season. Um, but I think once you look at his career trajectory, I just don't see a long-term future where he's a big piece. Uh, but that is not relevant to the grade. He gets a B plus for all the reasons Brad said. Guy was good. Yeah, he was another guy I thought, you know, he, this this was the season. It was now or never and, you know, going up and down from the taxi squad, getting waved, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's so hard for players to get a real rhythm in their day-to-day and, and then on ice because they just don't know when they're going to be in, when they're going to be out. Um, so I really feel for Svechnikov in that point. And like you guys said, I have no idea what the organization's doing with this guy because... He's better than a lot of guys who play a lot of a lot of the games. So, um, looking at his season at a high level, you know his counting stats are pretty good considering I didn't expect anything from him. Um, I, I'll give him a B plus. Like, I think he deserves to be on the team full time to see what you know what you're really going to get from him. Um, and if we're going to let other people trot other people out there to just be black holes, I'd rather, you know, roll the dice on someone we maybe don't know what they are. 
Okay. Uh, Joe Valeno gets an F for Joe fucking Valeno. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, he didn't play enough, but looked good. Happy for Joe. He uh, scored his goal. Good, good for him, but uh, not enough ice time to subject him to a letter grade. And last, but most certainly not least, Jacob Vrana. Look, anyone who's going to put out the points and the goals that he did in his limited time for the Red Wings gets an A for me. He gets the best grade on the team, plain and simple, because he came along with a first round pick. Happy. He was a point per game player on a team that didn't score goals. He scored eight goals in 11 games on a team that doesn't score goals. He scored highlight real goals among those goals. Jacob Vrana is the best player on this team. Like, full stop, unless Larkin rebounds next year. Like, Jacob Vrana is unreal. And you better not have said last, but certainly not least, because I will be a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I messed up my tab. Sorry. There is obvious. There was one very obvious one. I was like, oh, no, there's one right very there. big one yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jacob Rana has the offensive skill, creativity, and ability to execute that we have not seen in some time. Uh, you're right, Brad. Multiple highlight real goals, like goal after goal after goal. He has a finishing ability that can surpass even the most, you know, suppressing defensive systems. And Let's see how he does over an 82 game season. You know, there's a lot of concerns that Washington fans pass along regarding um, effort, but we haven't seen any indication of that yet. Let's see how he does over a larger sample size. I'm thrilled right now. By all rights, Jacob Verona is the better of him and Anthony Mantha this season. And Detroit, I don't even think that's that controversial of a statement at this point. Yeah. So. Mantha still has all the raw tools that he could be better than Verona, but uh, Verona, for being labeled as an inconsistent player, is doing it more consistently than Mantha was. So, yeah. Verona is tied for fifth in scoring on this team and only played 11 games for Detroit. Absolutely unreal. Everyone else above him is 42, 45, 30, 44, 53. What was that one set that was floating around that uh, in the last? Three or four years in the NHL, Jacob Vrana is fourth in the entire NHL in five on five goals. Not per 60 or anything like that. Total. Yeah. You consider his the ice time he's getting behind the players in Washington. Like, I know it wasn't always low, but man, that is when we talk about untapped talent, that is genuinely untapped talent. So, yeah, that is A. A. He gets an A. (laughs) The question with Vrana was, he's going to be playing better competition with shittier players, but he's going to get a lot more ice time. So uh, does that offense go up with the ice time or does it all kind of balance out because of the factors going against him? Uh, Yeah, the ice time mattered. It went up. (laughs) I just hope Jeff Blashill doesn't spend too much time trying to turn him into a defensive stalwart because he is. There's nothing to be said about his defense. Oh, you saw that hole. You saw his fucking quote at the end of the season. Oh, it's going to happen and I'm going to hate every minute of it. Yeah. All right. Now, last but certainly not least, uh, Philip Zadina. Do you want to start or should I start? I'll start. If Philip Zadina wasn't cursed by a witch doctor, voodoo practitioner with actual... I don't even want to cement in his gloves. He'd get an easy A plus this year. But finishing is a big part of the game of hockey. And it was the one thing Philip Zadina did not do well this year. 
Uh, for all the, you know, eye rolls we do at, you know, everybody turning into a 200 foot player, Philip Zadine is a legit 200 foot player. He was very Datsukian in his ability to recover loose pucks and just steal pucks from the opposition. Uh, he was one of the very few players who could carry the puck through the neutral zone and create clean zone entries. Uh, I have no issue saying Philip Zadina is comfortably the best playmaker on this team, which is great considering he's advertised as a shooter. Uh, ironically, shooting is what he sucked at this year. Uh, he was able to create tons of chances for his teammates. He was able to create tons of chances for himself. He excelled at just about every aspect of the game of hockey. And when it came time to actually put the puck in the net, he was garbage at it this year. Um, there's no way around that because the goals he did score for the most part, highlight reel, unreal goals. So we know it's still in there. Uh, some of his goals this year were the most impressive that were scored this year. He just didn't do it nearly enough and he had ample opportunities to do it. Uh, I know Philip Peronik didn't do him any favors on the power play, but you can still settle the puck down and shoot it. Um, yeah, so all things considered, I'm going to give him an A- minus because he, he excelled at just about every aspect of the game of hockey. A big point where you and I disagree on Brad is I do think he had some bad luck this year. I do think his low shooting percentage had a lot to do with just, you know, raw luck, and that's going to happen with, with players' careers. Um, I don't think it was all luck. I think he underperformed shooting this year. Uh, I think his his lack of ability to finish – well, no, but I, I don't think that it's, it's <laughs> witch doctor voodoo. Like, I don't, I didn't see a lot this year where I'm like, oh it my can God. can be both. I, I just didn't see like a lot of how did that not go in or like that went bar and then hit the line four times. Like, th- there wasn't a lot of that. I think he's finding his game. And admittedly, that's a harder thing to do on this team. Like, you don't have a lot of chances to to practice offensively you don't have a lot of chances to practice this year actually you know to take a a quote out of the dallas stars book um it would be a concern for me if if everything that brad also said after that wasn't true like zadina really developed fundamentally all parts of his games and really 200 feet on the ice the guy is 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 noticeable even though he's not scoring and that to me is a great great sign i can't in good conscience give him better than a B or a B plus because I would have liked more goals to be there. Um, but it's not a concern for me because you're right, Brad, that it's still there. I think he just has to do a little bit less, you know, it's going to be really bad coach speak here. I'm sorry. He's just gripping his stick a little too tight. He just has to find those soft spots. He has to figure out what his wheelhouse is. The team has to do a better job giving him players to feed him the puck in a way that's conducive to him scoring or scheming the power play for Zadina to score. Try something different. Damn it, please. Um, but yeah, all other parts of his games, I, I, I his game, I really thought progressed. I have a lot of excitement for Zadina in the future. So B, B plus, I'm fully expecting him to be an A level player soon. Yeah, I fall somewhere right between both of you in this one. Like, he did seem snake bitten at times, but we did see a lot of progression in the rest of his game. So, I think as you know, he gets some time to continue to develop. The team gets some better players around him. You know, we stop having such a losing culture. I think Zadina's just going to pop off at some point. So, um, in terms of this season, you know, I expected a big goal score, but. Um, he did a lot of other things that I was very impressed with, so I'll give him a B plus. 
And he's already got what three goals in the in two games in the world championship pre tournament, whatever it is they're playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's to no one's funny. surprise. Yeah, uh, I know we said we do coaches, but uh, obviously the forwards ran a long a little longer because we had to um, argue over fourth line grinders as we do on this podcast uh next episode as we do a a broader look we'll do coaches management um in addition to just a highs and lows and storylines and things like that so part two is forwards part three will be the final uh part next episode and who knows by then we might have coaching news so maybe this is a blessing in disguise for now, let's jump into overtime, which uh, is brought to you as always by our Winged Wheel Podcast Patreon supporters. Uh, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast for those of you um, who would like to contribute to the show. Our patrons are uh, the very reason we're able to uh, do things like argue about fourth line grinders. So for better or for worse, thank you guys. <laughs> oh, we're going to start with Andrew Bohan, who says, uh, my lovely dub dub boys, it's that time. Who do you think will win the cup and who would you want it to be? I have Colorado winning. I would like it to be, I don't know, not Colorado. Florida. I, I would like it to be Vegas, but uh, they're already losing their series, and I've probably doomed them to uh, lose out. I, I'm here. Let's give it to a team who's never had it before. I think Florida would be a fun one. Uh, Minnesota would be fun if they could go on a run. Minnesota's a better answer. Yeah. Yeah, like – Whatever. I just no Toronto, no Pittsburgh, none of these teams that have been there done that. No, I want I want new. I want fun this year. I picked Vegas, so today has been alarming and probably my fault. As just the guy who sits on TV or sits on the couch watching it on TV. Um I would also like Colorado. Vegas or Colorado, that's my bet. Um seeing Connor McDavid lift it would be cool. Yep. Big content fan. Callan S says, I speculate that Eisman is Jonathan Drew ending Blasio with a two year, no raise new contract. He's taking his time. The opposite of rushing. Rushing sounds an awful lot like Russian. Who is Russian? Larianov. Callan, you might be onto something. Uh, Tony Hatcher says, simple Jersey question. I haven't bought a non winter classic Jersey since I got my Reebok Zetterberg before he was given any letters. I've been waiting for Larkin to get the C or Burt to have some term, but I'm also trying not to get too attached to anyone on a rebuilding team. What makes the Fanatics jersey so poor? In theory, removing the space for shoulder pads for casual wear makes sense, but I've only ever heard them being shit on. Oh, the logos are like practically screen printed on. Like it's still a physical logo sewn on, but it's like a screen print. There's no texture. It's I get it. Like if you're just looking for something for casual wear, sure. But in that, in my mind, then just get a t-shirt at that point. Rowan will tell you all about fanatics. Like it's just not in my mind. It's just not at all worth it. At my store, we don't carry the Red Wings fanatics, but we have a lot of the Leafs ones. And just for reference, uh, the numbers on the back of the blue Leafs jerseys on the fanatics are silver. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Bizarre. Alec Kenny says, hey, guys, I don't have a question. I just wanted to say thanks for all the great content you put out. I've been listening for over a year now and finally decided to become a patron on my birthday because this show is the gift that keeps on giving. None of my friends are hockey fans, so you guys uh, have made me have made being a Wings fan fun again as the team struggles. Thanks for everything you guys do. Alec, uh, that brought a smile to my face. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Happy birthday. And uh, yeah, I'm happy we can bring some pleasure to a god-awful season. 
Kaylin Wood says, I'm guessing you'll mention this, uh, but good Lord, can we talk about how bad the new NBC scoreboard UI is? Holy smokes, it makes me a very sad boy. Anyway, hope all are safe and properly inebriated. Cheers. It's better than Bally's, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, that was my first thought. And it's kind of ruined it because I don't know whether it's good or bad, what's good or bad anymore. Yeah. Um, Mohit Sider says, please explain the position of power play quarterback as if I'm a casual hockey fan. Also exciting news. I'm considering my first big hockey purchase since I made some money on Dogecoin and I'm going to buy season tickets to my local OHL team, the Flint Firebirds. Is there anyone noteworthy to watch on their team now that Delandria is gone? Brennan Othman. Yeah. A very strong candidate to actually be, uh, someone the Red Wings look at with their second first round pick for whatever that's worth. So for your sake, maybe we draft him and you get to watch a high-end Red Wings prospect closely. Um, with the OHL season being written off, I am literally so disconnected with the rest of the OHL. I can't remember anybody other than Brendan Othman off the top of my head. So power play quarterback. Um, they use the term quarterback because it's a, the perfect analogy. The quarterback's the one who controls the offense on the field, on the power play. Generally, the power play quarterback is the one who stands in the middle of the ice at the blue line, generally a defenseman, and kind of everything runs through them. Now, you can run a power play through the half wall, but that does kind of limit your options a little more. You have to have somebody truly elite to be able to do that. A great power play has both covered pretty well. Um, So it's hard to find seam passes. And even though we beg the Red Wings to do it more, most of the time the option's not there. Because the Red Wings and most teams play a net front presence, it means generally there's not an option behind the net either. So if you have the puck at the bumper or the half wall on shots, not an option, the power play quarterback at the blue line is your outlet. And when they have the puck, they have full survey of the offensive zone. They can go left, right, or shot. And that's not even assuming giving them the option that they can scramble and skate with it. So your power play quarterback generally has to be your best decision maker. They have to know where to put the puck, when to put the puck and put it in the right spot. Uh, Heronic, who we were harping on all year, uh, is bad at all three of those things. So he's not good (laughs) as a power play quarterback. Uh, Chalosky at least knows when or where to put the puck and can put it there properly when he does it. He's just not quick enough with it yet. But uh, that's all it is. They're the ones who control the flow of the play on the offense and where the puck goes more often than not. If he's a trigger man, it's way better fit for Ronick. Like it's it's just a, it's all about the role on the power play here. Ronick is ideal for the left half wall because he's got a bomb for a shot and he's itchy to use it so just let him stand there and tee off deathman6452 says question for brad to preface i love my nieces two and three years old to death and would do anything for them they're in town and i've seen them for four hours it's not noon yet but i'm ready to start drinking and i already had to use my dad voice the wife is already irritated more than usual any advice on getting through the next 48 hours When I figure out the solution to that, I will make a billion dollars by writing a book. Um, Caffeine, lots of toys, and I hope you can tolerate kids' TV shows. Yesterday, we were out weeding in the backyard, and our neighbors have two young kids. And I think for the three hours we were outside, the kids stopped speaking for about a total of 33 seconds. And it was always just it's like trying to get wrong. their parents to like engage in what they were doing. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm tired of just like I'm tired, of like just experiencing this from the perimeter. 
So I went back oh. to having my alcohol and uh, <laughs> pulling no weeds. Kids. And no kids. Uh, getting dusted by five-year-old on skate says, we went roller skating for the first time last night, and I will now no longer be judging people based on skating. Secondly, would you take Darlene if it meant absorbing Skinner's contract? Yes. God, A yes. thousand percent. I don't even debate that in my head. Also, P.S. Evan, I'm about to go golfing. This round is dedicated to you. May you go golfing soon. Think of me out there. <laughs> Aaron Hudson says, hey, boys, I had a coherent question that I want to ask, but Liverpool has broken my head. Uh, and then also asks about the cup. Uh, so you guys know. Goalie goal. Uh, yeah, goalie goal. And it was they needed it to keep their hopes of qualifying for the Champions League next season alive. Like they needed it. Like absolute last play of the game. I was watching in despair in my backyard. I stopped mowing the lawn to watch the last 10 minutes of the match. I just had it in my ear before that. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to lose to one of the worst teams. Like this team's going to be relegated. That's how bad they, and they were going to draw with them and they needed the win. Legitimately 90th minute passes, five minutes of time is added on 95th minute. Goalie goal. I sh- I screamed across my yard. I lowered the home values of every house around me because they now live. They know they live near a lunatic. Anyhow, Liverpool. This team will kill me. C Nods says uh, we're a few years removed from the Vegas expansion. Rate what you think were the mo- worst moves by teams. I think the biggest losses probably goes to Pittsburgh with Flurry. Uh, what do you think, and what can we take away for the next one? Oh, Florida has to suck here. Flo- oh man, there's so many. I don't even think Pittsburgh's top five in this one. Florida had a really bad contract on their books. So they wanted to get rid of that contract and they agreed to send a pick to Vegas um, if they selected another specific player in the expansion draft. The bad contract they wanted to get rid of, Riley Smith, the player they were they for like bribed Vegas to taking in the expansion draft, Jonathan Marcheseau. Two-thirds of Vegas's first line. <laughs> like, unbelievable. And then you look at Anaheim, who really wanted to get Clayton Stoner off their books and also had too many defensemen that they didn't want to lose. So they said, Vegas, if you take Clayton Stoner, we will give you Shea Theodore, who might be a Norris finalist this year. Probably going to win one one day. Then there's the Minnesota Wild. Really didn't want to lose one of their defensemen. So they bribed Vegas to take some slappy. Uh, actually, sorry. They bribed Vi- Vegas to take some slappy. That slappy. Eric Halla, who scored 30 for Vegas. And the player they gave away to take Eric Halla was Alex Tuck. There, this is why I'm telling everybody there is no way Seattle will be as good as uh, Vegas was. Because as dumb as GMs will be in the expansion draft, there is no way three teams are that stupid again. I hope they are, because that's funny as hell. Oh, I absolutely hope they are, but there is no way. Cody Stark says, do you like Pittsburgh's yellow home jerseys? I love Pittsburgh's like normal home in a way. They're like they're all yellow ones don't match up in my mind. They're okay. They're fine. I'm admittedly a, a sucker for yellow jerseys. I, I generally will err on the side of I like them and not my favorite, but I'd still rate them above league average. 
I have a question for both of you. I know this is going along, but I have a question. No. Are the Florida Panthers jerseys considered ugly? Oh, God. The, the, there was debate again. <laughs> I just don't remember what the answer is because I was looking at them today and I'm like, I think those are one of my favorite jerseys. Here's my opinion. They are amazing jerseys with the wrong logo. I love I don't the logo. Like, I think that's the I don't thing like I like the about it the most. I love the jersey itself. I love the red, the gold with the navy blue. It's an elite color scheme. They're great jerseys. I Ryan disagrees with me strongly. If you put their old logo on those jerseys, chef's kiss, top five jersey in the league. But I know Ryan's going to vehemently disagree with it. And before I let Ryan rebut, their retro reverses are better than their regulars. I will agree. Their retro reverses, despite the fact that I hate the hyper-realistic cat with too much detail for a jersey logo, um, the retro reverses were sweet. I agree with you, Evan. I really like their jerseys. And I think too many teams can't have a shield or like a logo and a circle logo, but Florida's works. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's sweet. I hate jerseys. The (laughs) The logo looks too much like two things. One, it looks way too much like a soccer logo. And two, it looks way too much like their head coach. (laughs) <laughs> I think both of those things make it great. <laughs> uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says Liverpool goaler Allison scored the winning goal in the 95 minute, 95th minute. How about that? As Blashill now puts pen to paper on a three-year extension, who would you like to be his replacement in the 27-28 season? That means you guys are all solidly in your mid-30s when Blashill signs his next extension. Uh, looking at his age, Blashill could coach as long as, let's say, Trotz and stay on the Red Wings till the 41-42 season. Would that be fun? Lars, what's your problem, man? Okay, hold on. I have to... We need to define something. Ryan, I'm going to get you to answer since you're the baby of the podcast. Number to number, what is mid-30s? I would generously call mid-30s 34 to 38. I know that's not mathematically I'm in my mid-30s in the next couple months. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that so much. It's not symmetrical the way I did it, but I don't. I don't think late late thirties is a nice term. I think you're late thirties when you hit thirty nine. Sorry, Brad. Man, Brad's old. Yeah, always forget that. Um, at least we can watch Berger in the World Championships. That will be. Oh yeah, he got cut today. Kyle McClure says, "How do you? Uh, how do the Wings become a Cup contender without being a bottom five team in the twenty two and twenty three drafts?" One thing I keep coming back to, rebuilds never go the way you expect them to. No team will hit the perfect formula. And um, if you're not a bottom five team, you have to do a New York Rangers or New Jersey Devils or Philadelphia Flyers or something and just jump a lot in the draft lottery. That's how you do it. So if you don't win the draft lottery, how do you become a cut contender? So here's the obvious answer. The Red Wings have a lot of prospects right now. They have a lot of very good prospects. We've kind of given the range of what we can expect from every prospect. It's not, it won't be that surprising if Mo Sider is a number one defenseman and a potential Norse candidate. It also won't be that surprising if he tops out as a very good number three. He's going to land somewhere in between there. Um, similar conversations for Lucas Raymond, Albert Johansson, even still Philip Zadina, and a bunch of other guys. If most of those guys go to the top end of their range... The Red Wings can absolutely be a cup contender. The problem with banking on that is more often than not, that doesn't happen. That's why you give a a range of averages, because for as many guys overachieve, as many guys will underachieve. So really good luck with prospects. That's that's the short answer. (laughs) 
Greg P says, couple quick comments. Big thanks for the hockey cards. Those are on their way, buddy. Congrats on the win. Uh, big thanks to Brad for unknowingly helping me pick my first non-wooden stick. The special gear nerd episodes were great. Lastly, big thanks to all of you for the continued coverage. This is the best Red Wings pod out there, period. Excited for all the draft coverage, even in a down draft year. Greg, thank you so much for your support, man. It means a ton. And, You're not uh, going to tell me what stick you bought? Yeah, you got you to gotta tell Brad about the twig. He's going to lose his mind. Uh, it's actually an aluminum. Bags. It's an aluminum stick. He's still moving through I, the decades. <laughs> I would respect that more, honestly. Uh, hey there, fellas. Odds of Eisenman waiting for the Griffin season to wind down before holding end of season pressers because there will be a coaching shuffle. Assistant coach Todd uh, Krigier, I think I'm saying that right, Krigier, uh, runs the Griffin's power play right now, which is six in the... Krieger? Is it just Krieger? Spelling. Maybe. If it's the K-R-Y- one I'm thinking of, you said... K-R-Y-G-I-E-R. Krieger, yeah. Oh, you know what? That makes sense. I'm being an idiot. Uh, I guess I just didn't want to say Krieger because of Archer. I was like, that's probably not how Krieger, but no, it is. It's amazing how um, draft is twins. <laughs> sixth in the AHL in power play percentage and fifth in total power play goals. It's been one of the few bright spots in Grand Rapids this season. Could Krieger be Disco Dan's replacement? That's actually a really good point. Let's hope so. Aussie for Hall of Fame. Stay fresh, cheese bags. The Caminator says, after seeing Grand Rapids play this weekend, it uh, it was nice watching four NHL caliber players run a power play. If only Detroit could muster that up next year. Anyways, cannot wait for the Blash news to drop after you post the show. As good as it gets says, what should I use to fill the mediocre hockey size hole in my heart until things pick back up in the fall? Playoffs. Playoffs are fun. Pick a team that you don't hate. Hope for them. Yeah, this Tampa Bay, Florida series, I'm watching it right now. It's going to be the best in the first round, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt S. asks about who we're pulling for in the playoffs and also says, keep up the good work, Dub Dub crew. Thank you, Matt. All right. Uh, time for some Reddit questions and maybe a couple hashtag ask WWP. Uh, Russell53 says, in this draft, which do you think would be most impactful? Moving up six spots in the early first as a result of winning the draft lottery or moving up roughly 12 spots as a result of the Caps losing in the first round instead of making a, a run to the finals. Honestly, the Caps. Um, I don't... The Red Wings, if... Assuming Vancouver gets a one point, the absolute worst the Red Wings could pick is eight, and there's not a huge difference between one and eight. Honestly, there isn't. But there is a big drop-off around the middle of the first round, so that could be pretty significant. I'm going to say the draft lottery win to move up six spots just because I, 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 you're not wrong, Brad. Like, I, I agree that this is going to be a muddy year, but just on the off chance that the Red Wings are able to pick who ends up being one of the two or three best players with that first or second pick, I think that's more valuable. If it's true that the top eight, there's going to be a lot of similar talent mix in there. I think the same also applies to the latter half of the first round. Yeah, now, think- obviously, I'm biased to my own list, but like I've been really starting to hammer down on on my first round rankings, and I get to about pick somewhere between 19 and 23, and then really start to dislike this draft. So, if if the Red Wings can get into that range, I do think that's really advantageous. Now, that being said, we were talking to Max about it because um, he wasn't sure, and then I think Ryan looked it up. It doesn't matter if Washington loses in the first or second round. As long as they lose in the first two rounds, their draft position wouldn't change, right? Yeah, something to that effect. I was going to go into more detail next episode. But yeah, there's the way that the rankings are worked out. It's all very like the layers are 
The teams that didn't qualify for the playoffs the previous season, so obviously picks one through 16. The teams that made the playoffs but didn't win their division, which is Washington's layer. The teams that won their divisions uh, but didn't play in the conference finals. The teams that lose in the conference finals. The team that was the runner-up in the Stanley Cup finals and the team that wins the cup. Like That's in order of highest to lowest picks. So um, if Washington loses second round, then yeah, the, the pick is just as good. So a few other things that need to happen around them for that to to fall into place as best as possible. Hey, it's best case scenario. We get to watch Boston lose and get the benefit of the pick with Washington. Win-win. Win-win. Loop did says there was an article on The Athletic about relaxed game day dress codes. I'm all for it, but a lot of people in the comments uh, were complaining about it causing uh, a team to be less... Causing it to be less about the team and more about the individual. How do you feel? So That is the dumbest statement I've ever heard. Here's my thing. I think there is definitely merit to the idea of dress codes giving a sense of team unity and structure. Like there's a lot of, of I think, value to that. I don't know whether that's actually scientifically true. Um, that said, if a team and the players want to relax the dress code, they don't like wearing the suits, then they don't like wearing the suits. Relax the dress code. I also think the NHL should show some more personality. So if players want to show up, you know, wearing whatever the hell they want, then let them do it. Um I don't think it's worth getting pissy about on either way, which I think just lands on then relax the dress code. And if the players want to be more formal and show like, hey, we're all business and show up in suits and let it be their decision. So, yeah, I guess where I land is relax the dress code. It's cool. If there's nothing wrong with making it about the individual, I think the NHL should do more of that. If a player wants to throw out a fashion statement and show up in some extravagant or really dressed down whatever – and his teammates get on him about that, or his his teammates have a problem with that. You have a really shitty room, and you have bigger problems than what one player is wearing. Think of all the conversations that happen in articles and news clips that happen when the Boston uh, Bruins showed up to Lake Tahoe in their retro '80s workout, whatever, whatever that was, because that was before my time. Maybe Brad, you can comment on that. Um. <laughs> but it was cool like like we've talked about this so many times but like just let the players do their things let them market themselves and that will in the at the end of the day help the nhl grow the game and make more money like just just stop all right time for one hashtag ask wwp uh brody jadis jadishki says why can't i get a zadino retro reverse oh you'll have a hard time finding any retro reverse it was a pretty limited run of jerseys there wasn't a lot of interest in the red wings one for obvious reasons um even like try to find any retro reverse you'll have a really hard time i'm actually surprised there's any in stock for like a larkin or a blank also should we be concerned about petrozelli not signing yet i mean yeah we're Um, getting there I We're thought for there. sure he would have wanted to get some games in Grand Rapids this year, and that window has passed. We're working on some more information on Petrozelli. I'm just hesitant to say anything, to declare anything. Um, but, yeah, I think it's way more likely than people think that he doesn't sign. Whether that's Detroit or Petrozelli, I'm not entirely certain yet, but I think that's definitely on the table. Okay, uh, we have to wrap up. We are going to be back with you guys midweek. Um, 
Maybe this will break the curse and we'll get the Blast Show news within the next few days. But until then, thank you all so much for supporting the show, listening, uh, rating, wherever you get your podcast, following, subscribing. Our Patreon supporters, thank you all so much. Our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of Evans Furkwagen, Taylor Tagel, uh, Botched and Bloody Brazilian Wax. Oh, Brendan, come on, man. Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Connor Layton, and Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Joseph Minima. Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Old Fashioned Ass Lickin', As Good As It Gets, Dan Olson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, and Trevor Pevivar. Thank you all so much. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.